When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. It's vacation week here at the show, so what could be more appropriate than a dry, boring game about psychics that has less than a single page devoted to the story? Why, it's just charts, tables, graphs, blueprints, diagrams, schemes, and figures as far as the page space can see. It's SciWorld, and it's System Mastery. Also, I think there's a few histograms and like a Venn diagram in there too. Ooh, histograms. Yeah, those are the good grams. <laughs> Them histos. Those ones in golden. Those are the two kinds of grams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Can you think of any other types of grams? Teddy? Yeah. Teddy, also acceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm, that's fair. Yeah. I'm sure there's probably at least one famous gram that isn't reprehensible, although I can't think of one. Alexander? Oh, that's yeah, Graham Bell, the inventor of the phone. Yeah. Okay, I guess that's one. Oh, that's just like his middle name. Yeah. I can't think of a famous person whose first name is Graham that isn't doesn't suck, or a last person name that doesn't suck. Because mm. the only ones I could think of are televangelists and racists. Yep, <laughs> real pieces of shit all. Yeah, so you know, if you name, know, if you're listening to this and your name is Graham, that's fine. You're not famous. You're on thin fucking ice. <laughs> just don't get famous. You'll be fine. <laughs> or just become the first good Graham. I'm just saying there's an open window there. Good Graham. Yeah, and then, of course people are going to come back and tell us about Heather. Oh, Heather Graham. Heather Graham's okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's one. One good Graham. One good Graham deserves another, which is why if your name is Graham, it's time to get famous. I'm Jeff, and that's John. Wow. This all makes perfect sense. This is all great. <laughs> this is, this all is perfect. Staying in. <laughs> this is all amazing content. This is what the people wanted. Well, I am just back from vacation. I'm still a little sleep deprived and loopy. It was yeah, a long... you got that plane brain. I do. I really have plane brain, especially because they kept us on the tarmac when we landed. Runway. Sorry, I'm speaking British. The tarmac. The tarmac. <laughs> they they kept us on the Potomac, but yeah, they kept us on the on the runway for like an almost an extra hour after landing because we landed late. And I don't know if you know this about San Diego, but our airport is terrible and too small. I mean, here's the thing: every place sucks to fly now. Yes, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I, I can, we can talk about this a little bit before we get because let's go ahead and be realistic. This is an emergency book because I was on vacation. There's like 40 pages of content to go <laughs> over. <laughs> So we have some time. We have some padding space. Uh, uh, there's some room around the edges. We could put some meat on there. Yeah. But on you're these right. bones. And there's no place where it's nice to go to or go from in an airplane anymore. No. I mean, every time I look at anything, Google's like, yeah, just today, Delta canceled 4,000 flights. And I'm mm. like, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Uh, but it's different. Like, I flew from San Diego to Denver this time. Now, Denver's airport is pretty big. Yeah, because uh, it's a hub for a lot of stuff. Uh, but even then, it was like oh, when I was in the San Diego terminal, all I could think is I've always, I get in this fucking terminal way too often. And it's like being in a bomb shelter after the zombie apocalypse started when you're in the San Diego terminal. No one can leave. There's three million people. Everyone hates everyone else. And if anyone does anything sudden, everyone's like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> it's exactly it, it's it's imp- there's no chairs available. 
People have turned the chairs into little personal fiefdoms. There seem to be people that have never left that room. <laughs> uh, now, this, of course, being the terminal for Southwest, I assume. No, we were flying Frontier. I think it's just because there's only two terminals in San Diego. Yeah, but Net- are you Terminal 1 or Terminal 2? Yeah, Terminal 2 is international shit. And since we were only flying to Denver, we weren't going to be over there. Oh, no, Ter- man. Terminal 2 is great. because it's, it's got nice one. It's got, like, the other airlines that aren't Southwest. Well, we weren't flying Southwest. We are flying... The even worse airline, Frontier. I know. I've been <laughs> on it. It's bad. Uh, but basically, when you get to Denver, you think, all right, well, this is going to be a lot bigger, so maybe it won't feel quite as much of like a huddled mass. But no, it's just it's just more people packed in at the same density over a larger area. Well, so yeah. instead of feeling like you're in a bomb shelter after the zombie apocalypse, it's like you're in a mall after the zombie apocalypse. Well, the problem is, you're like, oh, this wouldn't be as bad if you know, all the flights were leaving on time, but instead you're like, here's everyone that should be here for their flights and about half again as many people who are here because they aren't on a flight they should have been on. Yeah, yeah. And so when we landed very late because of, like, fights over the overhead bins and shit, uh, they were like, yeah, someone already took our gate, so we have to sit here while they clear out. And apparently they just got here. Yep. (laughs) Shit's just cutthroat at the fucking airport now. It's not, it's just not fun anymore. So, you know, don't, I mean, it wasn't particularly fun to begin with, but yeah, uh, it's gotten way worse. Uh, you know, so just in general, don't fly. Don't just don't, don't go anywhere. Just don't fly. Don't go places. <laughs> don't leave your house. Yeah. <laughs> Try not to think of the event. Yeah. The worst part, the worst part about the flight was the flight there was all right. Terrible because we were in like the very back row. So it took forever to get off the plane. But the flight back, like the pilot thought he had jokes. Like he had this like the pilot thought he had joke yeah he had this one gag he wanted to do it was about like uh, I, I don't know the basically the gag was hey after the flight attendants do that like look at me i'm wearing a vest this is where you blow air into it routine you know here's where the oxygen mass drops down Yeah, just your safety, the protocol safety protocol stuff. you have to do that he was like well there's gonna be a written test on this presentation so you better pay attention and if you fail the written test we gotta land the plane in needles and drop you off there instead and Oh, by the way, to pass the written test, you have to get a score of at least 75%. That's 14 out of a possible 19 questions, in case you were wondering. And I'm like, no one is. (laughs) (laughs) You should have ended this bit four sentences ago. Yes, I know you have said three sentences. The only thing separating you from a dispirited youth pastor right now is that none of the jokes have been about Jesus. (laughs) This is terrible. You had one joke. And baby, you thought it was good enough to milk. Yeah, I can almost smell the terrible Cartman impression you're about to do. <laughs> this is... Now, I'm the pilot, so respect my authority. Wow, not even trying. <laughs> so that was... And the worst part, I mean, I get it. If you want to do your little bit, I get it. You know, you're a pilot. You get to have your fun time on the microphone like once per flight. That's very nice. Go ahead and do what you gotta. But he did it at the midway. Like when he was like, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. Yeah, we were at the midway. Yeah, we... we <laughs> I wish that we'd landed. It's here in San Diego. Yeah. But no, halfway through the flight, he came back on the mic and he was like, now, folks, now the, the flight attendants told me that they decided not to administer the written test because they don't want to land in Needles, California. And I don't want to have to either. And that's why you didn't. But it's important to remember that sometimes you will get that written test. And we're like, dude, it'd be better if you just did that fucking Frontier uh, credit card speech for like the next 10 minutes yeah hit me with that instead of whatever this is especially when you're 40 minutes into an hour wait on the runway for a gate and you're like the written test folks how about all that shit you're like dude don't this is not (laughs) this is neither the time 
Throw that man to the zombies. <laughs> you fucked up. <laughs> so, so anyway, that was my flight experience. Good job. Yeah. Meanwhile, we read some game. We read Psy World from 1984. Yeah, this is an early one. And I, I've had a copy of Psy World around the house for a long time. It, we, it, it's an emergency book because it's thin. But when I, I realized it was an emergency, but I had to be out of the state, I couldn't like leave it with John and expect to be able to read it myself. So I went to look for a PDF copy of it, found it, and was like, oh, no, it's twice as long. What happened? It's the same game. They just tacked on an adventure. Yeah. Well, the I mean, this is one of those games that, of course, 1984, it came in a box. So the box was like, all right, here's the rules. Here's an adventure. Here's like a bunch of sheets and shit that you can fill out Mm -hmm. and and little tokens and whatnot, because that's what you got. You were like, oh, yeah, all of these come in boxes. Yeah. So the PDF was just uh, the main book and the adventure book just got combined into one PDF. Yes. Yeah. So... So, so Psy World is a 1984 original. Uh, it for all the world, the, the, every time you're every page you turn in this book, you keep expecting it to be like. By the way, at this point, you should probably go buy the master book system. It's so weird. It feels too thin. Like it's got to be a a, a, a a tacked on attachment to a larger game. The problem is, it's it feels the exact opposite way for me because I'm like, there is nothing but crunch in yes. this. Yeah. It's not like, oh, and go find a system for the rules. You're like, it's just rules. The Psy World game is like, hey, it's about 30, 20 years from whatever the date currently is, and some people are psionic. Other people aren't happy about that. I don't give a shit. Here's rules. <laughs> yeah. Here's a chart. There's like literally, right after the like uh, the copyright information on the first page, there is one paragraph about the story and then that's done until the adventure. Oh, yeah. They're just like, hey, uh, in the near future, fucking some people developed psionics. Why? Who knows? How? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Are people mad about it? Probably. That's up to you. <laughs> there are definitely some norms and some piss. <laughs> so, okay, that's a joke we got to explain. They sort in psionicist or psionic to size in this game. So everyone's a psi, and groups of them are called size, P-S-I-S. And you know how pe- uh, people are always saying that if you rearrange the middle part of a word, you can people will automatically correctly spell it, yeah. provided the first and last letters are correct? Well, P-S-I-S is read as piss. There's no way not to read it as piss. It reads as piss every time. That's just you, buddy. I never read piss. <laughs> what about hidden piss? Ooh, hidden piss. Because that gets mentioned a lot. <laughs> but yeah, the whole I mean, thing is just, it's the near future. There are size. The government made Psy police. Mm-hmm. And also there are other size. Um, And then a note. Referees can alter this if they want. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, Thanks. There's Thanks even... for the ability to alter your five sentences of background. <laughs> There's even a section where it goes into like, well, what are you going to play as? And the answer is, we don't care. It's literally just like, <laughs> uh, the only choice you have is, are you psionic or not? And not being psionic doesn't do anything for you. No. It, it just it... means you don't get to have fun psionic powers. <laughs> There's one difference between the two. Uh, actually, there are two. One of them is that psionics have a psi stat. You don't need it if you're not psychic. Why would you care? Yep. And the other one is when you're rolling what your educational background level is, non-psionics get a plus 30 bonus to that roll. But be but stay with us, because there's a caveat to that. Oh, yeah. It's just, ah, <laughs> oh, you're slightly more likely to have 
gone on past high school. That's all it is. If you're a high, if you're a psionic, even if the only psionic power you have is that you're a genius, you probably didn't finish high school. Yeah, it's, it's less great. likely. You're like, ah, oh, what are you? Well, I am a my psychic powers do not manifest in any like power ways. I just have an increased intellect. Oh, really? I don't even have my GED, though. Good day, sir. <laughs> I was too smart for school. I chose a different path. The Bitcoin way. <laughs> <laughs> I have chose instead to be, uh, I don't know, TV repairman. <laughs> You're like, all right, great. <laughs> I joined Mensa, and then I started working at Kmart. <laughs> but let it be known that I do know at least five synonyms for rutabaga. <laughs> How would it have synonyms? It's a pro. It's a word. It's not a vegetable. It's not a thing you can do. <laughs> I see you're not in Mensa. <laughs> Sounds like someone who only knows three synonyms for rutabaga. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it's weird. The fact that there's almost no story, but it's set in like the near future. Now, keep in mind the game is is written in the in eighty four. So for them, the near future appears to be about like eighty six. That seems to be as far ahead as they want to think. I mean, the weird thing to me is when we get to the section that's like, here's equipment. And again, I don't give a fuck because there's nothing here. We may as well jump to whatever. is almost inevitable. So the equipment section is mostly just like, and here's a list of how much stuff costs. Now, this is also a game where it's very big on occupation. Like, you pick a skill that you can be like, oh, yeah, this is my occupation skill. This is what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a whole thing for that. But there is no, okay, well, what's my income? There is, however, yeah. a page for how much stuff costs. <laughs> so you're yeah. like, oh, well, if I play this today, am I just getting today's salary with yesterday's prices? <laughs> We don't know. We do know that the minimum wage appears to be, in the future, about $4.25 an hour, and that you can get an apartment in Los Angeles for 425 bucks a month. God bless. <laughs> what a time to be alive and psychic. Oof. Love it. <laughs> so uh, so that's that, it's just the future of 84, but they didn't really think that much about what... They even mentioned inflation. They're like, yeah, obviously inflation's going to keep happening on into the near future, but we're not going to bother reflecting that because it's easier to keep real-world prices in mind. So here's some real-world prices. And it's so weird because they go like, oh, what you should do is just keep it, you know, whatever price it is in your time. And I'm like, then why did you put prices down? Yeah, why not? Why just not list that? Because otherwise I'm going to look at this and go like, oh, you listed, you know, $500 for this item. And I go, do I have to go look up how much this costs nowadays? <laughs> how can I just God use damn it. A, I just use these 80s monies. Can I just have 80s dollars? <laughs> yeah, you can always have some 80s dollars. Uh, <laughs> so once you get past that paragraph of introduction, it just jumps right into character creation. So so will we. Yep. Uh, character creation is fairly simple. There is a set number of stats you have. You have yep. one extra if you're psychic. They are strength, agility, dexterity. So we have that thing where agility is is uh, body coordination and dexterity is hand-eye coordination here. Yep. Uh, endurance, intelligence, and willpower. Or is it just will? Just will. Just will. Uh, And each one of those is determined by rolling 2d10. Now, the book handily provides you two alternate methods of character generation uh, called Method 1 and Method 2. In Method 1, you roll... random and design. Random and design. Thank you. In random, you roll 2d10 down the line. In designed, you roll 2d10 and then assign. Indeed. There's no other differences. There's no, like, point by or anything. It's just... 
And they, but it's weird to me that they'd bother even calling design its own method rather than just saying, hey, you can also roll and arrange as desired. Yeah. But I guess that's 84. Like, they thought they were doing something brand new. Yeah, I mean, the thing idea. is, they're like, oh, we assume that most people will be like, ah, the design method means I get to create a character rather than just, you know, having something foisted upon me, mm-hmm. which is what normally happens when you just roll down the line. You're like, well, I guess this is my dude then. Yeah. Fuck whatever I wanted to play. Now, I we both already made our characters for the bonus content. Did you use random or designed? Here's the weird thing, yeah. and I'll I'll say this. I was like, oh, I'll use the design method. And I rolled seven stats, because mm-hmm. the seventh stat is Psy for your psionic power. Yeah. Uh, and then I put them in order that I got them. Okay. Oh, so you... <laughs> so I technically was like, if I had rolled differently, I would use the design method, but I ended up just doing random because I rolled them in the order I used them. Oh, useful. All right. Very good to know. Okay. Um, so once you get those stats, which are going to range anywhere between 2 and 20... Uh, you then need to calculate what's called your AST, and I straight up don't remember what that Attribute stands for. Attribute saving throw. Thank you. Attribute saving throw. You calculate that by multiplying each one of your stats by four, and then whenever you have to accomplish something that is not covered by one of the game's skills, you will be assigned an attribute to roll. Yeah. And then you just roll under that on percentile dice to succeed. So, for example, if you have a 10 in endurance and someone needs an endurance AST from you, then you have to roll under 40 on percentile, and you succeed at your thing. It then goes into uh, multiple ways to modify the AST for the DM to adjust difficulty. Yeah, they're like, well, you can either adjust the multiplication of it and make it so that, like, oh, this is more difficult, so instead of being a times four, it's a times three or something. Mm -hmm. Or you can just give a straight, like, minus ten, minus twenty, whatever. And that's one of those things that in this game I find fascinating. It's a weird idea to have those, because it sounds like it's, it's redundant and pointless to be like, oh, well... Instead of ro- rolling endurance times four, you're going to roll endurance times three versus instead of rolling endurance times four, you're going to roll endurance times four minus ten. Uh, but it makes some sense because one of them is universally difficult for everybody. It, it, it decreases the, uh, the, yeah. the rate at which your endurance contributes. And the other one is a flat penalty that will affect people in different ways. Yeah. It, well, I mean, the interesting thing is, depending on which one you go, it either like overly penalizes people who are good at the thing or bad at the thing. Yes. Cuz if you're like, "Oh, I I'm shit at this," then a flat penalty sucks. Yeah, it'll ruin but if, you. If you're good at it, then, you know, if you're like, "Oh, I've got a 20," then you're like, "Oh, man, doing one less is 20," whereas everyone else is just getting a, if they were doing it flat and got a minus 10, mm-hmm. like, "Oh, boo." Yeah. So that's it's it's worth it, although I I feel like it's still too mathy. Like, I don't want to have to recalculate the multipliers for my ASTs on the fly all the time, but I get it, and I get why they did it. Yeah, I I have to imagine running it, you would just do the, like, my dude, it's minus 10. I don't give a shit. I'm not going to worry about making you remultiply stuff. It's, it's, it's uh, conceptually valuable as it sounds like it is. I don't feel like anyone would have ever actually used it. Oh, yeah. Because um, the, I mean, the way the skill things work are in chunks of minus tens yeah so you'd think you'd be like ah i'll just do the same shit for the attribute saving throw Mm -hmm. because it's the same shit it's just an unskilled throw so fuck it i'll also do it in chunks of tens yeah the the closest you get to personality from this book tends to come in in explanations for why they did a thing so, for example, when they're explaining how why the ASTs exist, they're like, hey, don't let the players pull one over on you and try and say they want to use their dexterity AST for a lockpick roll just because they didn't put any points in lockpick. You shut that shit down. Force them to use the skills. 
Yeah. <laughs> They're like, this is just for shit that is like an unskilled, straight up corner like, cases. You know, if you're just like, oh, you need to remember a factoid. Instead of a skill check, you're just like, oh, okay, I'll use an intelligence AST. Yeah, sure. Yeah, great. fine. That kind of thing makes perfect sense. Beyond that, there's a bunch of uh, subs. Oh, by the way, there is no AST for Psy. No. The only thing Psy does, is, as far as I can tell, the only thing it does is calculate your starting power point pool. Pretty much. It doesn't appear to affect any of the psychic powers. If you have a high Psy, it doesn't change any of the powers at all. No, none of the powers are like do Psy level damage or anything like that. And they also, all of the Psy powers do, like some of them have things where it's like, Oh, you have to roll a will AST in order to save or an agility AST or whatever. None of them have it as a psi AST because there isn't one. Mm -hmm. So a high psi stat is literally just how many points do you have to spend on powers per day? Yeah. So that's it's weird that they would even bother, but there's no AST for it because there's no situation where you need to roll to see if you can succeed at a psychic thing that doesn't just use one of your powers. Yeah. Now, there are a number of secondary stats you need to know about. Uh, the first one is initiative factor, which is just your initiative bonus. And since initiative is rolled on a D6, it's an extremely important part of it. Uh, you get that one. It's, I forget, it's the, it's the average, average of, of agility and will. Agility and will plus and, a, a D6. Yeah, so your uh, your initiative for the round is you have your initiative factor, which is, you know, the average of agility and will. And then you roll a d6, and then you go in order. You only everyone only has one action mm -hmm. technically, but yeah, but, but you can do as many things as you want during your one action. Apparently. Unless, <laughs> unless you can't, you know, yeah, because the the book. Are got, we doing that now? Because the books, the books definition of what an action is can just bite my There's ass. There's a lot of stuff in here that when you're reading it, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense, that makes sense, and then they just don't fucking define it later, and you're like, oh. It's interesting, because reading the book, you get to the end, and you're like, oh, I filled in all the gaps that they didn't do, yeah. but when you go back and read, you're like, oh, they didn't actually say what any of this means, I just made assumptions because I've read fucking 200 RPGs at this point. Exactly, yeah, like, the, the biggest ones are probably the existence of stuns and disables as, as uh... Keywords. Keywords or, you know, uh, things you can inflict on other people, or status effects you can inflict on people. You can stun people and you can disable them, neither of which is ever defined. No. We don't know what they mean. Yeah, if I hit someone hard enough to stun them, they can be stunned for a D6 rounds what does being stunned do? Who fucking knows? <laughs> Could be anything. I don't know. Could be something good. Could be something bad. I guess you'll just have to find out. You won't stun it, will you? <laughs> so yeah, your initiative is you take your factor, you add a d6, and then you go in order doing one action. Uh, if you tie, then whoever has the better factor overall goes. And if those tie, then fuck it. You go at the same it's time. It doesn't matter, yeah. Uh, then defense bonus. In this game, defense is basically a penalty that you apply, a passive penalty you apply to other people's rolls to hit you. Yeah. So, for example, so it's a negative. Uh, so, it, again, it's an average thing. I think it's agility and intelligence. Uh, it's not an average. Both agility and intelligence oh, right. can right. both give you a either penalty to your defense or a bonus to your defense. Yeah, and that works the same way for hit bonus and I think damage bonus as well. Yeah, but agility um, uh, is weighted higher for the bonuses and penalties so a higher or lower agility will give you a bigger penalty or a bigger bonus than intelligence is but mm -hmm. intelligence you can still be smart enough to get out of the way of stuff yeah so uh 
And then there are different damage bonuses based on whether you're attacking with projectile or melee weapons. They use different calculations, but effectively they're the same thing. They, they're, they're averages of two stats. Yeah, you get the, the bonus to hit, which is also a dexterity or intelligence, and again, more dexterity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the projectile bonus damage is dex and int average. The handheld weapons is strength and agility average. Now, then after that, you get to hit points, which is like the... <laughs> Oh, wait, there's one more thing. Remember I was talking earlier about how this game's got some weird, innovative stuff that seems to have died here? One of them is that damage bonuses vanish if you're too weak to use them. Hmm. So effectively, if you have a high damage bonus for anything, projectile, even if it doesn't use strength at all or endurance at all, if you have taken half of your hit points, your damage bonus doesn't work anymore. And if you have a damage penalty because you're like weak or bad or something, your penalty doubles. So when you're weak, you're way worse. So the moment you get to half HP, all of a sudden you're not doing quite as much damage. And if you're doing less damage than most people, now you're doing way less. Oh, yeah. Uh, the <laughs> The weird thing about that is the hit points in here oh, it's wild. are not very high. No. Because you have to do a bunch of things where you're like, all right. It's the average first, two stats. You take the average of your strength and will. Yeah. Okay. Then. Now you take endurance, add it to, to that, and then divide that by two. So it's the average... Of your average of strength and will and endurance. Uh-huh. And then that's going to be your hit point number. Not your hit point total. Your That's basically, now you've gotten your hit dice number mm-hmm. like you were from a and d monster. Then you take a number of D3s uh-huh. and roll as many as the hit point number you have. That will give you your hit point total. But you're not done. But, but then wait, there's more. <laughs> you have to go in. And now you have your total hit points, but now you have to figure out what each, what each hit location has in number of hit points. And that is a flat number plus a percentage of total hit points. Yes, and with nothing I found anywhere in the book to tell you how to round. Did you ever find a thing to tell you how uh, to round? You round up. Okay, rounding up. Good. That's what I did anyway. So you you go in there, you get some hit points, and the weirdest thing to me is if, let's say, you rolled real shit on strength, will, and endurance, and you also rolled real poorly on your D3s. And of course, strength and will, the average, and endurance by itself is also another chart that adds extra uh, or takes away hit points from your total. Yes. So you could end and be like, all right, my total hit points are like four, but... My head has five, and my chest has six. And you're like, whoa, 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 Because they wait. have flat values, and they start with flat values that range between four and seven, and then add on a percentage of your finished total. So, for example, your head has five hit points plus 10% of your hit point base total. Yep. So you'll usually have somewhere in, like, the the five to set to ten range for your head, even if you have, like, four hit points total. Yeah, so at that point, when you're looking at it, you're like, all right, well, I've got four hit points, 10% of that doesn't round up it rounds down so i've got five points for my head i have more points in my head than i have total and they're like oh that's fine if your hit point total because you have to track both Mm -hmm. when you take damage you have to track both how much total hit point damage you have taken and how much in any given area you've taken yeah but if you get to zero hit points total you fall unconscious Mm -hmm. but if you get to zero hit points location then that location gets fucked yes so you're like okay sure i've got you know like five hit points in my arm and four hit points total 
but if someone shoots my arm for four, I still fall unconscious. And then if they shoot my arm again and go to five, then my arm falls off. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a lot of work to do to come up with your basic hit point total, especially given how not big they are and how similar they tend to be because of all this averaging and the fact that it just turns into a big pile of D3s. Means like they could have replaced all of this with something a lot simpler and it would have been fine. I mean, unless you manage to roll spectacularly well on your D3s and have a really good high strength will and endurance, your like location totals are going to be way more than your total hit points. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I I guess I rolled well enough that that didn't happen to me, but it can. It absolutely can. Uh, then it also calculates something called your shock resistance. Uh, every time you take damage to an area, you need to roll a shock resistance roll to make sure you don't fall unconscious or get stunned. Not that we know what getting stunned does. Yeah, so uh, if you get a disabling wound, which is you took more damage than that area has, mm-hmm. then you have to roll for shock. If you fuck up, then you pass out. <laughs> that's that, that's all it is. Shock resistance also is used for actual shock resistance. Yep. Like, they just were like, oh, you know. Electrical we, or thermal. Yeah. They're like, oh, shoot, we called this shock resistance. Fuck it, we'll just use it for both. So anytime you're exposed to high amperage or wattage or whatever, or anytime or you go into heat, a real cold area. Yeah. You also check a shock check to see if you, like, pass out from heat or shock. God, it's so weird. <laughs> it's, it's a little weird. The hit point calculations are kind of wild. Uh, then you get into your skills section. Now, this is a strange part, because you may think, oh, well, I've just rolled a bunch of stats. Those might connect to the skills in some way. They don't. Uh, what about what about your skill education level? What does that do? Does it well, control yeah. how many skill points I mean, you get? It doesn't. What about, like, my intellect? Do I get any extra? No. No. It slightly helps in your role to see what your education is, because either... It's a D100 chart. Yeah. There are only five things you can roll. Uh-huh. But if you're a psionic, you roll a D100 and add half of your intelligence score to the roll. Yes. Great. If you're not, you roll a D100 with half your intelligence and then also add another 30 on top of that. Now, we mentioned you should stay tuned for this result because it's kind of funny. And that's because above the military value, which is set for if you haven't... Uh, well, yeah, because it's 2 to 60 gets you... General education. Uh-huh. Uh, 61 to 85 gets you a vocational education. Yes. And then it goes a little weird. Well, all it really does is becomes two different scores for whether you're psychic or not that happen to be separated by about 30. Which means that that plus 30, it only controls if you roll really low that you might get uh, escape the general education field yep. into the vocational education field. That's all it does. And even then, it's still just a might. Like, for example, if you've got an intelligence of 10, so you're adding plus 5 to your roll, and you roll a 15, then you're getting a total of 15 plus 5 plus 30 plus 35 gets you up to 50. Oh, too bad. You're still in general education. Oh, yeah. Now, the one thing I do want to mention here (laughs) is they also fucked up on this. Yes. So they were like, oh, you know, uh, 2 to 60, 61 to 85, no matter what you are. Those are gen ed or vocational education. You have to, you know, get higher than that. And then they split it up so that, say, military, 86 to 95 or 111 to 120. Yes, it leaves a huge gap there. Yeah, if I roll, you know, I'm a not psionic and I roll and get a 94, 
What the fuck am I doing? I mean, obviously, what they meant to do there is that anything between 95 and 120 for a uh, a non-psychic puts you into, I think, military. Yeah, but it, they don't say it that way. No, Instead, they say 86 to 95 and 111 through 120, <laughs> which also means if I rolled a hundred, even if I was using both charts, you're like, great. Yeah, I rolled a hundred. I don't get either. <laughs> That's true. Um, well, actually, I think the other chart works between eighty six to ninety five for military and ninety six to one hundred and five for for uh, whatever military or ninety six to one hundred five is advanced education. Yeah, and so one twenty one to one thirty five. Yeah, so there's no missing gap after that one. That's the one big missing hole. Is if you're not psychic and you roll anywhere between eighty six and one hundred and eleven, there's nothing for you. They don't. Yeah. They don't have a skill. They don't. They have no skill package for you. But it's just a typo. They should have just put eighty six instead of one hundred and eleven. Yeah, but, but they you know fucked what? up. The book's really small, so we got to take the fuck ups where we can find them, or we got nothing to talk about. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's just one of those things where. This is also the PDF we have, because we do have the physical book. Uh, they had to, like, put in, because in the psychic powers, they fucked up and put one in one of the charts and then didn't put it in the list of powers. A very palladium move, yeah. And then instead of being like, oh, well, we'll fix it in the PDF by putting it in the list of powers, they just put it at, like, the end of the book. Uh-huh. They're like, they just put and a not even on a, it. a, like... Sorry, we missed this in the power section. It just writes the text of it at the end like, wait, what? And it has a different name than it had in the chart, which means that when you get back there, you're like, what the fuck is this? What the What is the force shield? What are you talking about? Is this something everyone gets? What is it, going it on It looks here? like something everyone gets. It looks like an addendum to the game when they realized that damage was too high. And so they added the force shield so that psychics don't yeah, die Yeah, every psychic gets to have the yeah. ability to defend. But, but you're instead, like, no, they the, forgot to put force field the power. Yes. And then instead, put it at the back of the book and called it the Force Shield. Uh -huh. And you're like, wait, no, no fuck, god what, damn it. What is this? This is confusing. It took us a minute to figure out what the fuck that was. Yeah. Because you had to go back through the rest of the book and cross-reference and be like, oh yeah, there wasn't Force Field. Yeah, it's the same thing like when we were talking about stun. It was like, hey, wait a minute, did they, did they ever actually say what stunned is? Go through rest of book? Huh. Well, no, you know, you're reading through a list of hundreds of powers, and, and you know to, you read the list first, you're like, all right, that's a big list of names. You're not like, I'm going to mentally remember 100% of these names so that when I'm reading what they do later, I'll be like, wait a minute, Force Field wasn't there. Hold on a that's second. What, that requires a level of, of uh, awareness that you can't do when you read a book every two weeks. No, I mean, so, honestly, you would only notice if you were like, I randomly rolled Force Field and then looked at the powers yeah, and couldn't th find it. Then you'd be grumpy, but we found it there. Yeah, it's just it's just weird. I mean, I get it. The book's from the 80s. They didn't do a new edition. They just did a scan and, and sell treatment to try and make a little extra money off this. I, totally commendable. The fact that they bothered to put the power in is, is commendable as well. Good for them. It would have been nice if they had included along with the power like a little description, you know, like why is this here and what's just it for? Just give me a footnote. Just put a, yeah, oh, sorry, From the in the original printing, this was inadvertently omitted. We now reprint it in all its glory. Yeah. With the wrong name. Okay, have fun, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so when you get your educational background from one of the five things of general vocational military advanced or spacer, mm -hmm. uh, you then, unfortunately, that also doesn't make it so that you have more skills. Nope. It's just where you can get skills from. So there are a bunch of skill tables. So it'll be like, ah, general skills, technical skills military skills and mm -hmm. so each one of them are like everybody gets general and then whatever you got you get from that so you're like yeah. i picked military or i rolled military i get to also pick from military skills but 
everyone rolls four d10, and that's how many you get. So yeah, you could have four skill points. At the end of the day, after you finish calculating your intelligence, a bunch of things that derive from your intelligence, what your educational level is, how do you determine how many skill points you get? 40, 10. Don't worry about any of the other stuff. Nothing informs anything else. Yeah, if I rolled and I was like, ooh, I got advanced education. I can get skills from general and the advanced section. And I have at least a college degree. Mm-hmm. I have four skill points. Yes. Oops. Now, now, what does a skill point translate into? Well, you have two options. There are certain skills that are NL or not leveled. Uh, in that case, all they usually tend to do is apply a bonus of 10% to a, uh, a AST role. So, for example, if you took rock climbing, normally it's an agility ch- AST to see if you can rock climb up the side of a building or up the side of a big rock, I guess. If you have the <laughs> rock climbing skill, you get plus 10% to that. If you have mastery in the in rock climbing as a skill, then instead you have a ninety flat 90% chance to climb the side of a rock. We will explain mastery later, as the book does. So, the... And I wish that the non-leveled skills all worked the same way, mm-hmm. because, like, half of them are, oh, you get a 10% or 20% if you're a master. And then the other half are like, oh, if you have this, you just have a 95% chance of doing it. Like, yeah. What the fuck? Why? No, like I was telling you before we started, when I was reading the skill section, I was excited. Even though the clunky method by which you determine skill points and so on is bad and old, the fact that the skill list is just a list of skills with some notation behind them to tell you how much they cost and how much it costs to advance in them during the game, I was like, oh, this is awesome. They aren't bothering to de- to uh, de- like define what climbing means. This is exactly what I've always wanted from a skill section. And then... You turn the page and, oh, no, skill description. Yeah, here's uh, the whole skill description. And not only that, but every skill description is a bespoke mechanic for how it works in the game as opposed to just having some central universal mechanic for all of them. Yeah. So it gets stupid very quickly. Because, like, all right, gambling is a non-leveled and it gives you a plus 10 or a plus 20 with mastery. But rock climbing gives you a plus 10 to an AST and then mastery just makes it so that you can also do urban environment climbing same thing with swimming you get a plus 10 to your agility ast but if you get mastery then it allows you to do fancy dives and distance (laughs) swims yes but then if you take singing you have an 80 percent chance to sing pleasantly but if you get parachute you have a 95 percent chance of parachuting and i'm like god damn it the whole point of non-level skills should have been you don't roll for this it's just a baseline thing if something, if you're like, I parachute, okay, are you doing it under weird circumstances? No, you do it. Yeah. It's that's just, all it can be. you swim? Yes, great, you can. And then if it's weird, then make me do like an AST or something. With shit. a bonus, because that would be the difference between you and everybody else. So, for example, if you're like, oh, everybody falls in a pool, one of you has the swimming skill, which is a non leveled, you can swim to the edge because you're good at it. Everyone else has to make an AST roll. Now, instead, you fall into an ocean and there's stormy, choppy seas. Everyone has to make an AST roll to survive. You have to make an AST roll to survive, too, but you get plus 40 or something. Yeah. Because you're trained in swimming. It would have been much simpler to do that, but instead they changed it for almost all of them. Yeah, all of them have just different percentages so that singing's at 80 and parachutes at 95 and sometimes play an instrument just gives you the ability to do it at dex ast it doesn't give you a bonus it's like what the none of these go together no it really feels like it was written without a central theme in mind now thankfully the leveled skills are just one point gives you a 10 percent chance in it yeah so at the beginning of the game you can only ever spend up to 10 so you can go up to a 100 percent but 
then things have, you know, level of difficulties and penalties and whatnot. There's but, also a 5% critical success and critical fail. It's not, yeah. it's just auto. Yeah, there's an, if you roll a uh, 96, 96 or above, then you fail. If you roll a 1 through 5, you succeed. Yeah, no matter how high your skill value is. So that, that, take that into account when raising your skills above 90. Yeah, it's, it's just diminishing returns to be like, oh, I'll spend it. Nine, get it up to ninety. That's one to one for one for ten percent. Mm-hmm. But if I go to a hundred, then I'm you're really mostly just buying... spending one for five percent. Yeah, and trying to buy like security against big penalties. Yes, that's all you're doing at that point. Now, most people won't do that. The average on forty ten is twenty twenty one somewhere in there. And the only thing you're going to get out of that is enough to buy your way up to a hundred percent in two skills or a lot less in a bunch of other skills. So. You know, even if you roll really well, you're not going to have a lot of 100s and things. So you don't have to worry about it as a starting character. That said, the game has a lot of page space dedicated to uh, how to improve your skills. But first, let's talk about the other skill category, advanced. This felt tacked on as all hell. Advanced skill is like, oh, you have a profession? Like you're a lawyer? No, man. Advanced skills are exactly like all the other ones. Because it just... When you get a... uh like in education you can get the academic slash advanced skills if you had advanced education yeah that means you could just be like oh yeah i'll pick multiples of these yeah i've got points in dentist and lawyer who gives a fuck i'm an old-timey dude i have a barbershop dentist lawyer office who cares yeah you're just the one guy in town who's not a gold miner i get it but it's the same thing if you got general education you pick one technical skill and that's also your job you're like Great, I get fucking, you know, electrical systems, and I'm an electrical guy. Mm-hmm. I can come in and fix your wiring. That's my job. That's my occupational skill. Right. So, uh, so yeah, they're, otherwise, they're mostly the same. The only thing is that usually, if you have an advanced skill, it'll give you, like, a role you can make for knowing something about your profession. And above 90%, you can start actually doing things in your profession, like, especially with scientists. If you have, your science is your primary, profe- your, your advanced profession, like, your a hard science, like geology or something then you can use it to be a walking font of information about that job. You'd be like, oh, I can always roll my chance to just know shit about this job. But above 90, you can start making advances and breakthroughs in your respective science field. Well, yeah, and they also have a breakdown for, uh, depending on what skill level you have, goes to what type of degree you have in it. So if you're like, ah, I have, you know, a 30 in like architect you're like great that means you've got your bachelor's degree in architecture Mm -hmm. but if i have a 75 in psychiatrist then i have my master's in psychiatry Mm. if you get to 91 or above you have your doctorate good or get your degree (laughs) now there are a couple different ways to gain skill points and attribute points throughout the game uh one of them is just through use whenever you use a skill you mark down that you used it you mark down Every time you successfully use a skill all the way through your sessions of skill use. And then there's a calculation you can roll to determine if you get to make a roll to see. And if you succeed on that roll, then you can get a, another roll that will get, uh, that will compare against a chart to see how many points in that skill you gain. Yeah, because this this has training as mm-hmm. a thing you can do. That, so you can one. like try to train up your skills and be like, ah, I'll take five weeks of classes in something and then have like a 20 percent chance to get. Five points in it. In VCR gun repair. <laughs> oh, my VCR gun. <laughs> uh, but the experience one is just like, God. So every time 
at the end of an adventure or at the end of a session, you're like, all right, how many times did I succeed at doing this? All right, I'm going to take a hundred. I'm going to add half my int. Then I'm going to take the number of times I successfully used a skill and I'm going to add that. Then I'm going to take what my skill level is currently and subtract it from that. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to give me a D100. Now, if I make that roll or under on that, then I roll 2D6. Now, the 2D6 roll will tell me how many points I gain anywhere from 1 to 10. So, And you do this for all your skills. Every skill. Every There's, time you finish an adventure. There is also an entire chart for... Did you have to make a roll on a skill you don't have? So if you were like, I'm going to try and pick this lock. Mm -hmm. I do not have lock picking. And they go, okay, I'll let you do it on like a dexterity AST, but with a penalty of like 20. Mm -hmm. So you're probably going at it pretty shittily. But if you manage to do it, they're like, cool, great. Here is now a chart for what is your intellect, Mm -hmm. what is the level of difficulty of the skill, because every skill has a level of difficulty of one to three, which doesn't matter except for this role. That's the only thing it controls. And then it's like, oh, great, if my intellect is nine and the level of difficulty is four or two, then I have a 4% chance of learning this skill at 5%. You're like, God fucking damn it. (laughs) Yeah, it's not... And it, it's it's worse than that, because we've already said, okay, there are two more things to talk about here. We've already talked about training and general usage as ways to accumulate skill points. That's great. We can stop there. But we also have to talk about skill point retention at high levels. You see, in this game, if you're way too ripped or smart or something like that, it's because you have to build to keep, to keep that. If you're Joe Manginello, you don't get to stop eating poached chicken breast and brown rice tomorrow and still look like uh, fucking Magic Mike every day. <laughs> you have to keep working out constantly. So there are mechanics. Mechanics for how you have to preserve your high stats and high skill values through usage or you lose them. Yeah. Now, this is the one place where noting what your occupation is matters because you never have to roll that if it's your occupation. So if I have like 140% in mechanics and my character is a mechanic, I never have to roll to upkeep that because they assume, well, you do that for a job. You're doing it all the time anyway. Now, you can still always lose your stats, even if your stat, even if you're a... occupation is muscle haver then you there's no mechanic for how you just get to keep your stats except through high usage yeah uh then there's also your chance for attaining mastery every time you roll a skill you see every time you roll a skill (sighs) that you are not currently a master of you roll a upkeeping cumulative five percent chance that you will become a master when you become a master in a skill it usually just gives you a flat plus 10 percent bonus to using that skill there may be something else it does you never know depends on the skill but let's say, for example, you try singing. You're not a master right now. You have an 80% chance to sing pleasantly. You also rolled percentile to see if you get under five. If you do, you're a master now. If you don't, mark down that you didn't. And next time, you have a 10% chance to see if you become a master. Yeah, and of course, keep marking. Even if you get to 100%, that 95 to 100 still counts on the mastery roll. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, you can still fail to master. Yeah, so once you've once you failed to achieve mastery 20 times... And then you roll a 97 on the 21st try, you still fail because you always fail on a 96, even on a thing that's not actually a skill roll. Yeah. So there's just so much going on every time you use a skill in this game. There's a a surprising amount of bookkeeping on skills and stats and stuff that you would have to take for a game that, other than that, is so, like, bare bones in most of the shit that you have to worry about. Oh, yeah. And it just seems weird that 
in they issue an experience point system for the you know and of course we've seen a ton of that in 80s games where it's like ah oh, no nah, you use it in order to get yeah. better at it we want it to be like real life but it just means god you're giving your players so much more upkeep and them if they forget like they get to the end and they're like oh fuck i didn't write down do you remember if I did lockpicking twice or three <laughs> times? Yeah, yeah. So psychic powers are the next thing. They're very simple. A player character can either start with with a, a, one major or two minor powers, or they can roll on charts that might give them more. Uh, even then, if you if you uh, if you choose to randomly decide your psychic power, the random chart might still give you more psychic powers. They want you to think that one major is the same choice as two minor. Boy, is it is it? not. Oh, boy. Yeah. Every yeah. one of the majors gives you like 11 to 13 <laughs> powers that you can do. The, Every one of the minors gives you one. I love the design method, random roll method, because it's the I mean, the same thing as the uh, they decided to put design and random the same as the attributes. Yeah. But the fact that it's all right in the design, you get one major or two minors, but you pick what whatever you get. Yeah. You just get whatever you want. And the random roll is. One major or D2 plus one minor? And I'm like, <sighs> that's not a gamble. It looks like it is. Oh, you can be like, ooh, I could get three minors. And then you look at the minors and they suck. And you're like, oh, oh, I should have taken a major power. And even if you get the major, you're like, I'm going to roll randomly instead of getting what I want. You're like, cool, you've got a 2% chance of getting two majors. Mm-hmm, which is the best thing. Which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, or a, like, 7% chance of getting a major and a minor. Yeah. But as we move past the charts for rolling your starting psychic powers, uh, there's only other thing you really need to know about psychic powers is double your, your psi score. That's how many psi power points you have to activate your powers. They have costs. Yeah. Now, I love that you don't find that out until after you are done with all of the psychic power sections yes. at the very end it's like oh yeah i guess we need to tell you uh we listed point values for these uh double your size score we probably should have put that in the actual attribute section because yeah. that's part of it but it's the only it. thing psi does it should have been there just to define what the fuck it is and yet <laughs> So anyway, uh, there are when you roll randomly for what one of your major uh, powers you're going to get, there are a couple different options. Each one of them, if they're major, they come with a big list of things they can do. Oh, yeah, because when you look at it, you're like, oh, you know, you've got disciplines like uh, teleport or telepath or telekinetic or precognition. And if you hadn't looked like any further and just looked at those, you could go, oh, those are sort of broadly generic categories. That's good. That's good powers and then you look at the minor ones and you're like oh these are more specific okay so it's you know how broad or specifically powerful do i want to be but no that's you not go how to, it works you go to precognition and you're like oh what what happens then well you get clairvoyance clairaudience sense danger locate danger detect side detect life psychometry pathfind augury vision combat precog and luck yeah all of it yeah so it's it's crazy uh, you look at the minor powers and you think some of these seem incredibly powerful when you first look at just the names. They're not. Like, for example, Time Shifter is one of them. You're like, ooh, time travel. Here's what that does. You can go back in the past to watch it if you want, but you can't alter it or interact yeah, with it. You can never change the past. If you go to the future, you have to choose one of an infinite number of potential futures and have the DM tell you what that's like, and then you go back. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't... Because the description they use is like, well, what happens if I shoot that guard and wound him? What happens three minutes from then? And the DM's like, well, you jump three minutes into the future and it looks like you're in trouble with guards or something. I don't know. You go back. 
even if you shoot the guard, that was one of an infinite number of possible futures, so anything could happen. This power does nothing! Yay! Also, for each day traveled and each hour stayed, the character will be dazed for one round. What is dazed? I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. It's right in there. It was stunned. It's, it's just something will happen to you. Now, uh, then you've got pyrokinetic and cryokinetic. Uh, they spell a lot of psychic powers words wrong. I'm wondering if it, if it's just that in the 80s, the the commonly understood panoply of psychic capabilities wasn't as well defined as it is today. Maybe. Because they spell cry, or uh, not only do they spell all the kinetics wrong, but also uh, psychometry is spelled incorrectly. Yep. So, and they're all <laughs> consistent. They spell them wrong every time in the same way. So that tells me that they either were making up these words or they were just spelled differently in the 80s. Ah. I oh, they know. had only ever heard them. Yeah. They're like, I heard pyrokinetic, and I assume this is how it is spelled. Yeah, like, you know, it's spelled the same way you spell kinicky from Greece. The other... <laughs> yes, obviously. I'm pyrokinicky. <laughs> I'm cryokinicky. <laughs> one of us always tells the truth, and one of us always lies. One of us has a greased hotness car, and the other one has cold lightning. <laughs> I'm Mr. Cold Miser. <laughs> Uh, the the only reason I'm mentioning pyro and, and cryokinetics is because it's really funny in this game how they define fire and ice as just total opposites. Like they don't they don't want to think about the, the they're just like hey fire and cold are the same shit on other ends of the same scale it doesn't matter. So for example if you use cryokinesis to create a three foot across ice ball it does like three d six damage to anyone who touches it. Yeah, it's Which is so weird, because you look at pyrokinetic, and they're like, oh, you can create a three-foot sphere of fire, and the damage is 3d6. And you're like, all right, I guess that makes sense. If you touch this big old thing of fire, it's going to hurt a lot. Mm -hmm. But the other one of just, you create a three-foot area of ice, and it does 3d6, and I'm like, wait, it lasts until melted, but if I, does that mean if I walk up and touch some ice, I take 3d6 damage? Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It shouldn't work that way unless it was like, you know, oh, it's condensed, I don't know, hydrogen from the atmosphere, so it's solid hydrogen. So, yes, it'll fucking give you a terrible chemical burn if you touch it. Don't touch that. But they mentioned that it melts just like water. To also, me, here's another fun thing. Yeah. So the, the pyrokinetic sphere, the three foot in diameter uh, pyrokinetic sphere, you get fire in a big old circle, and it lasts one round is the duration, mm -hmm. costs 10 points. Ice. Uh, is you create three foot diameter area of ice doing 3d6. It lasts until melted. No point cost listed. <laughs> I think really they're, they're sleeping. They're, uh, they're kind of bearing the lead when it comes to cry cryokinesis and creating the ice ball, which is, I don't know if you've run the math or if you remember how to do volumetric calculations from like high school and shit, but a three foot sphere of water is 846 gallons. <laughs> That's a fucking lot of water to create for five PowerPoints whenever you want. Yeah, man. Just out in the <laughs> middle of the fucking desert, and you're like, and there we go. Now, technically, people are going to come at me and point out that it's less because it's ice, and ice technically expands where water contracts. So, sure, maybe it's like 700 gallons of water. That's a lot. Yeah. Being able to just be like, what did you do? Oh, I went out to fucking Burning Man, and I just created a giant spheres of ice. I was just <laughs> like, I'm the most popular dude here. <laughs> yeah. The other one that's uh, oh, oh shoot now I'm not remember the other one that I thought that was so funny uh oh god I have to look at the list is it mind melder it might have been mind melder you, you go ahead and talk about that while I try and remember what I thought was so fucking funny I mean there are a lot of great things in here some of them like forgotten are just everyone forgets you after eight hours and yeah. it doesn't matter and it just 
permanently takes some of your psionic power points away, Mm -hmm. and no one gets to remember you ever. Kind of sad. Yeah, it's kind of a sad one. There's also Genius, the other permanent one, where you just lose, like, half of your psi power points, but you add 2d6 to your int score, and then uh, you get an extra d10 skill points, but it is also a power that can be turned off, so one of the other... Uh, low-end powers is null psi, and you can just turn off someone being smart. Yes. <laughs> you can just make them not smart anymore, and they lose a ton of skill points and so on. Yeah. Uh, okay, the one I was thinking was so funny was because... It, this is an example of... I'm going to go ahead and say it. This is us being pedantic assholes of the future. Sure. Which should probably just be our title. Future like, pedantry, yeah, it's us. Pedantic assholes of the future should just be our name. Uh, the year 2000. Because we have Google, and they didn't have Google in 1984. But when you look at there's under the self-control major ability, uh, there's a couple powers called go without food and go without sleep. Yes. And both of them just ex- are supposed to be like your ability to resist the natural requirements of the body. So, for example, Go Without Sleep says you can ignore your body's need for rest or sleep for up to three consecutive days. Go Without Food or Water. The, you, need, uh, you can ignore the need for food and water for up to three consecutive days. Coincidentally, three days is about how long a person can survive without water anyway. Yeah. Um, so you'd think, okay, well, how should that work? It should extend the length of time that you don't need food and water by three days under normal operation, right? Yeah. So you just use the power and you get a three-day buffer. After the three-day buffer, you start suffering as if you had not, uh, you just started not drinking water right now. That would be the logical way to do it. You'd In- think. Instead, they do it as you start taking damage the instant the power ends. Yeah, you start losing right. endurance points. After three days, the hour after the three days, you start losing one point of endurance Per hour. Which is exactly what would happen if you went without water for three days and you weren't psychic. So this power does nothing. <laughs> uh. But what makes it even stupider and funny, and again, like I said, this is because we have Google and they don't. I can I can read a power like go without sleep and go, that feels like bullshit. Switch over to the next tab, type how long do people go without sleep and be like, it is bullshit. I'm right because I have Google. Uh. But yeah, it says uh, you can ignore your body's need for sleep for up to three consecutive days. And I'm like... Dude, I've watched John do that. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, I mean, I guess that's nice to just go, look, I can function normally. Because, you know, after about two or three days of no sleep, you're going to be a little loopy, mm-hmm. a little fucked up. And also that means like, oh, if I need to keep guard or whatever, I don't have to make like endurance ASTs or some shit. Yeah. You'd be like, great, cool. But the problem, as you have noted in here, mm-hmm. is that... If you go beyond the three-day limit, the problems that happen to you, the consequences, are identical to go without food and water and that you begin to die. And that's not true. And three days is ludicrously small. Like, the current world record for going without sleep is almost 12 days. Yeah, to say, like, ah, I used a psychic power to keep me awake for three days, and then my body began to wither out from under me. Yeah, I started shutting down entirely. Like, no, nah, dude, the, the, the current world record is four times that. What are you talking about? This psychic power does nothing. Also, that world record was set in the fucking 80s. It already existed. <laughs> uh, I just thought that was hilarious. Also, of course, there's the fact that there's a couple of psychic powers that are straight up just attacks. Oh, yeah. Like, the, oh, one the for one damage. attacks in here yeah. are amazing because... The damage that gets done for a lot of them are as good or better than the best weapons you're going to have. Yes. Like, the best rifle you can get does 2d6 plus 2 damage, Mm -hmm. and, like, 
a regular ass attack is just like, oh, this does 2d6 plus 5. You're like, okay, so it's just better. Most of the straight up like mental and psychic attacks are just like you pay one point of power energy for one damage you would like it to do. If you want it to affect an area or work at a ridiculously huge range, there's an additional surcharge imposed on you at the beginning of the cost analysis, but it's still one point per damage, which is a really good calculation because you can use it to straight up murder people. Oh, yeah. But it gets way more stupid and powerful the moment you go off book and do the whole thing. You know, the Wizards of the Coast thing, we are like, well, yeah, Magic Missile does 1d4 plus 1 damage, but have you seen the dumb shit you can accomplish with Grease or Sleep or whatever and a less than, than uh, uncharitable DM? Oh, for sure. It's that, because there's this one, like, called, Im- I think it's Emotional Overload, where you're just like, hey, you, I want you to, like, experience all your emotions at once. And you think, all right, well, that should probably, like, temporarily... Yeah, fuck him up. Maybe it'll him stun up. him. Maybe it'll stun him or something while he's like, oh, all the emotions, all my usual filters are oh, gone. Oh, no. Ah, I want to punch a wall and drink monster energy. <laughs> it is 16 hours until my wedding, and I am losing my shit. It's, <laughs> you think of that, but instead... I should it, shave my head and buy a boat. <laughs> so instead, what it does is, with no saving throw, the moment you affect someone with it, they fall fucking unconscious. No, there, there is be, a saving throw. There's a will AST, right? Yeah. Yeah. They will go unconscious immediately. Their emotions are too strong and they just go unconscious. Then they have to make an AST roll, except it's confusing because it's better for you the dumber you are. Yeah, so either (laughs) you go unconscious or you go mad, which makes you go unconscious. Yeah. Which is dumb. But the if you fail the will AST, which on average... The average person having a 40 means, yeah, 60% of the time you're just done. Yes. And but if d- if you fail it, then you make another AST to see if you either go unconscious or go mad permanently. And that one is an int AST, but you have to divide the result by two after subtracting- and subtract your AST from 100. So instead of the AST... It's the AST subtracted from 100, so the higher your AST is, the lower your number to roll under is. Yeah, so the dumber you are, the less likely you are to go insane as a result of this attack. But not by much. Like, the dumbest possible person has, like, a 32% chance to go permanently insane, and the smartest person has, like, a 50% chance to go totally insane. Yeah. It's just weird that it's there at all. It's it's a strange strange thing but keep in mind that all this does is say hey on average most people who use this on will fail the will ast at the first in the first step and what does it do to them they just instantly fall unconscious probably go insane yep and it's like that's quite good same thing with like using the positional teleporting one that you just be like i'll teleport that guy's arm to kansas oh. but not the rest of him there's well teleport attack is just this does 2d6 plus 5 damage yeah and because that's I- like you teleport someone into the sky and let them drop no, that's that is the uh I teleport part of you away. Oh, that's if you yeah. just which just... has a uh will saving throw. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, 60% chance you're just going to like take a chunk of a dude and teleport it away and do an, a motherfuck ton of damage. If you managed to do enough damage that that zone whatever you hit got to zero, then you probably just teleported their whole thing away. So, yes. if you're like all right, I teleport, uh, and I roll hit location, leg, uh, I do 10 damage, you only have 7 hit points there, so you take 7 damage, mm-hmm. and your leg got teleported somewhere. <laughs> it's gone now, don't but worry, if- there is a, spe- a, a psychic power that can fix it, it's a weird one. <laughs> it's in a different 
<laughs> psychic thing if I'm a healer, but you can also do teleport other. Again, a will AST, and it is line of sight, which means you can just look up and be like, and in the space you go. <laughs> Did you fail that AST? Oopsie-doopsie. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know if I necessarily require AST to also have, or LOS attacks to also have a t- maximum range to stop people from teleporting everyone to the fucking stars. Oh, yeah, you're like, just like, you know what I can see from here is fucking Omicron Percy I-8. Hey, you hey. know what I can see? The sun. Boop. Yeah, and that's the closest one. I can also see Beetlejuice. Why don't you head there? It's good. The fact that it is distance or range LOS. Yeah. Boom. Done. Like I was saying, because you get that, like, fourth edition had that, uh, D&D had that problem where there was yeah, one Yeah, with the, the warlock ability. Or, yeah. The the, 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 whole, the warlock ability would be like, I'll just teleport this fucker to the moon. No, I can teleport you uh, within LOS. Oops. I think specifically you could offensively teleport p- things around, which meant that as a warlock, you could teleport the sun to the planet. Yes. Like, well, I'm just going to bring the sun here. Fuck it. Because it, it was teleport someone within range to something LOS, which meant there was also a uh, another feat for Warlock that could turn range into LOS. So you're like, all right, well, something within LOS, the moon, to somewhere in LOS, you, and I just bring the moon crashing into the planet. Fuck it, who cares? <laughs> I'm sick of this campaign. The sun's here. This sucks ass and we're done. <laughs> Sun falls, everyone dies. <laughs> oh, a doops <laughs> So anyway, uh, yeah, there's a lot of psychic powers. We're going way over, so let's get into the combat so we can close this out cleanly. Sure, why not? Uh, combat's fairly straightforward, except that everything is a huge flowchart with a bunch of weird caveat cases that make the game very strange. So when I say it's very straightforward, I am lying. Um, it's weird because they're like, all right, you know, you find out we already went over the initiative factor. That's great. Yeah. And then they're like, okay. Now everyone gets one every 10 seconds is around. You get one action, except you can do multiple things in in action as long as they were things that you could do at the same time. Mm -hmm. So like you can walk and shoot. Great. You have a little penalty to your shooting because you're also walking at the same time. That's a thing we do. But they're like, oh, but you couldn't play a musical instrument and be stealthy. And I'm like, all right, great. Whatever. Just give me an actual what can I not and can do. Yeah. In combat, they're like, ah, you got, there's like fucking two pages on throwing people. There's all these fucking flowcharts for every kind of attack. They all have different shit that's happening. But the the unarmed thing is like, throw a guy, throw a guy, but pin him, throw a guy, but choke him. And you're like, ah, why do you have so many fucking throws? And then it's funny because the throws take up like a whole page by themselves. And then the rest of it's done in a page. Yeah. But here's the thing that's fun. After you skip past the throws, because they're boring and who gives a shit. You get to, the one thing that's interesting about the throws is the knockdown effect on the basic throw. Because it says if you get thrown to the ground, you can do, you have to do one of two things the next round. Either stand up or uh, fight from the ground. You have no other options. You have to choose one of those two things, nothing else. Now, it does specifically say you have to make one of those choices in the next round. It doesn't say what you have to do the round after that. So, for example, if you choose to fight from the ground, I do not know what happens the round after that. Well, here's the other thing is they say, like, oh, you can do several types of actions, such as move, 
fire, speak, use psionics, which means if someone throws you to the ground, in the next round, you can only attack or get up like you couldn't use telekinesis. No, you can't use your psychic powers. You can either attack or get up. Uh, there is nothing anywhere in the game that gives you any kind of penalty whatsoever for being prone. No, if you fall down, you're like, ah, oh, whatever, I'll just stay here, I, I just, guess. Yeah, I can move at full speed. I, don't, I have no penalty to hit or to be hit or anything. I'm just lying down. So I guess I'm just going to Dr. Boskanovich my way out of this one. <laughs> I'm going to Voldo this motherfucker. <laughs> but, but yeah, you only have the option between those two things, which means if you get knocked down by a throw, you cannot surrender in the next round. No. You can either stand up. You can't speak. Because that's part of the thing they that's, said were actions. That's a listed action. Can't take that one. God damn it. <laughs> then we get to melee strikes. And if you're an unarmed attacker, you do a D6 plus your strength bonus and unarmed damage. Uh, and if you hit the body or the arms or legs, which are the only two targets you can even punch, uh, you, you force an AST roll to either stun them for 1D3 rounds or disable them for 1D3 rounds, depending on where you hit them. Yeah, so the arm and leg is like, oh, you disable it. So, like, I punch you in the arm and your arm goes dead. Yes. Which is weird and wild being it's that very, like yeah it's like a highly shit yeah i can like fucking punch you in the in the leg and then your leg is unusable for a d3 rounds at least even if i did one point of damage at least we think we're doing a lot of uh mad libs as to what stun and disable mean here. i mean at least area disabled has a a concrete thing because they talk about if a zone goes to zero, hmm. you're like, oh, you get disabled and you can't use that okay, thing anymore. So we know that. But here's the fun thing about this. That's the only way you can do these nerve strikes. And keep in mind, again, I mentioned it does a D6 plus your strength bonus and has this huge chance to disable. Because we mentioned earlier, the average person has a 10, which means that on average they have a 40% chance to uh, to not get disabled when you punch them in the arm or the body. Yeah. Now... <laughs> Again, this is the disable is only the arm leg. It's stunned for a D3 rounds for head, chest, or abdomen, which is by far the most likely thing to hit on the hit location chart. Yes. And again, no idea what stun does. We, we assume it's you lose your next action. And he, if it is, holy shit, being able to stun lock someone for just like donking them on the head for one point of damage over and over with your bare hand is amazing, given that if I attack instead with a knife... It just does damage and there is no stun. Oh, also, it does less damage. Hammers and knives do like a D4, where punching people does a D6. Yeah, if I have a knife, like a fighting knife specifically for cutting dudes, it does 2D3. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so. it, it It is very ever so slightly, on average, Better than punching someone to knife them, except there's no stun. There's no stun chance. Not if either... I stab you in the leg, there's no chance your leg goes down. But if I kind of, like, kick you in the shins, you might be like, ah! Melee weapons in this game include uh, saps, blackjacks, and and lead pipes. And none of them have stun chances. Even though that's the whole point of blackjacks and saps. The fact that they put blackjack in there as a weapon that does 2d3 minus 1, so just straight up worse than punching someone... Mm -hmm. And yet, there is no, and also, a chance to stun a dude. No. There's nothing. It's just a bad punch. <laughs> why did you put this in here? What did you, why, and it's not like, oh, and they just forgot to put it. There is a weapon called an electro baton in the same chart as all the other hand-to-hand -hand weapons. Near future, you see. And it is the only one with the asterisk that says, oh, if you hit someone with this, they need to make a shock resist roll 
or go unconscious. And I'm like, so it's not like you didn't think about it. You knew melee weapons could do some shit, but you didn't do it. No, they were trying to fix the problem that no one ever does hand-to-hand combat in games because swords are better by saying, oh, well, if you just punch and kick dudes, you can get stuns or disables. And they didn't think like, oh, that's way the fuck better than actually punching or hitting people with swords and shit. That's like a million times better. That's all anyone's ever going to do. Yeah, I can just stun lock a motherfucker and deal one damage at a time or be like, I punch him. He's stunned. Next turn. Uh, my friend takes his armor off, mm-hmm. and then I punch him again, <laughs> and then he takes more of his armor off, and then I shoot him in the head. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Uh, so, I mean, that's pretty much it. There's a big list of gear you can purchase. It's that worst kind of old gear list where it's like, pistols, here's every fucking pistol in the world, and here's actual charts and stats for them, so you're just going to buy the one at the end of the chart because it's the good one. Yeah, you're like, oh, what do you have? Well, we've got 15 different rifles. One of them's good. And you're like, all right, well, I guess I get that one. <laughs> exactly. Over and over again. The only thing that's interesting there is a caveat that, like, maces and swords and pole arms and shit are antiques and therefore only available at the DM's discretion. Um, although, for my money, I feel like fun- getting my hands on a mace is not all that complicated or difficult. Oh, yeah. It's like a heavy thing on the end of a stick. I can figure it out. <laughs> I can make that. It's okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna, because no matter what I do to make it, it's worse than just punching a guy. (laughs) Why would I ever? But uh, that's pretty much it, and that's good, because we've been talking far too long for a book this short. Oh, yeah. Uh, I will say, uh, just real quick, armor in this game gives you a flat penalty to be hit. So, like, uh, if I have a shield, it's minus 20 defense, which means minus 20 on your roll. Uh, And then, as well, all of them then have a percent chance to have the damage in the area that it's covering. So it's like, all right, I've got a, you know, a police ballistic vest. Mm -hmm. Minus 20 to defense, so there's a 20% chance you don't even hurt me. And then even if you do hit me, there's then a 20% chance I take half damage to whatever area you hit. Now, let's take that, was it minus 20% for the ballistic vest? Yeah. Okay, let's take that. I want to give you the most defensive heavy character in the game, and then we'll go to favorites and least favorites. Let's say you just don't want to get hit by anything the entire game. That's your only goal. Well, allow me to help you. First, pick the two minor powers instead of the one major power option. I know it sounds bad, but it's actually going to work great. The two minor powers you're going to take are Color Spheres and Invisibility. Now, Invisibility, you turn yourself invisible. You just apply a minus 50% flat bonus to anyone's chance to hit you. That's your a defense benefit. Yep. Uh, colored Sphere is you surround yourself with a sphere of colored lights. Now, you may think that runs counter to Invisibility. It doesn't. There's no rule that says it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't say it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And all it does is, for slightly less power point investment, apply a minus 25% chance for anyone to hit you in combat. This means you can take those two cumulatives, get a 90 or 75% resistance or uh, defense bonus, wear a ballistic vest, get minus 95% total. Now And then put a motorcycle helmet on for minus 5. You could if you want to, but why would you? At this point, you've already got minus 95, which means if anyone hits you, it's because they rolled a 1 through 5, which is an automatic hit. That is the only way they'll hit you. You've just reduced everyone in the game's chance to hit you to 1 in 20. It's so weird that the armor in this is either, you're like, oh man, defense is either you managed to get like, I've got a fucking full shield, I've got a flak jacket, I've got a full helmet on, I'm doing like minus 70% to anyone who tries to shoot at me, or you don't have any of that and they will always automatically hit you because they're like, I don't know, I put 90 points into shooting a guy, so I just shoot you and there's nothing you can do about it. You're like, yeah, well, you know. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Maybe I'll activate the force shield. (laughs) The force shield. John? 
John, my friend. Yes. What's your favorite thing about Psy World? Uh... My favorite thing in Psy World is I actually like the major powers, how they did the groupings. Yeah. The idea of being like, you are a telepath and everything that comes with it. You're yeah. a telekinetic and everything that comes with you it have is You all the neat. body control powers and it comes out to like nine extra powers and that's, that's everything. Yeah. Being able to say, I am a type of psychic and I can do all the shit that comes with that type of psychic is good. I like that because, you know, say like in Rifts where you go, oh, here's the healing powers. And you're like, yeah, but I can pick like two of them and it's kind of weird. But here, if you're like, no, I'm a healing psychic. I have all of that shit. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's, uh, it, it is good. Those groupings make a lot of sense. And if they had not bothered with the minor powers and just kept it to those oh, yeah. blocks of majors, it would have been a lot smarter. Yep. So I do like the way that they make uh, the major categories feel like oh my character is a telepath like that's a cool thing i've got all these telepathic powers i am an empath and that actually matters i have a fucking attack that 60 percent of the time just turns a dude off yeah and well not like me i have powers that will 100 percent of the time turn a dude off you know what i'm saying <laughs> i'm gross turn a dude off hey that won't work 100 percent of the time i know lots of people who are <laughs> exclusively into gross dudes Trust me, it's the only way I ever get any play. <laughs> oh, what about the only way I get any kid? <laughs> you just went on a list. <laughs> Oops. You better oh, have a seat right over there. You better specify. <laughs> I meant of mm, play. <laughs> kid mm, play. Now you have to tell me if he's the one with the high cut fade or not. No. <laughs> oh, plays the one with the fade? The, no. the, the really high haircut? Yeah, sure. Okay. You, you don't remember, do you? I don't know. I assume <laughs> it was play. <laughs> and John's off to become the Google pedantry asshole <laughs> of tomorrow. <laughs> nope, it was kid. Fuck, I fucked up. Oh, now you're a doubly on a list. No, no. Well, I screwed up. You want kids and you don't even know which ones. <laughs> I want kids and I don't even know if they've got high top fades or not. What was your favorite thing in I'm honestly just going to have to agree with you. Everything else about this game has, like, one glaring issue. That part I liked. Yeah. The fact that the power source settings were nice and well done. You know, you pick, like, stats, and you realize that half of them don't do anything at all. You pick... Half this game, when you pick it, you're like, oh, but wait a minute. When you actually drill down, it's fucking stupid and doesn't make any sense. Uh, And, I mean, the thing is, you also don't generally have a ton of psi points. Mm -hmm. So even though there are, like, oh, man, you could just fucking wreck a dude's day with this power you're like yeah but you'll do it like twice yeah that is true uh, there is a way to get more psyche power points it's just through usage it's the yeah same it's the same th- shit as skill it's yet more bookkeeping you got to do every time you do anything in this game yep what's your least favorite thing oh least favorite thing in this game i i think i'm gonna go with the actual like damage calculations for okay. stuff yeah that's fair i mean the fact that you have such a disparity between like, oh, uh, my ability to psychically fuck your shit up is nuts, and I can just like scanners a dude he- and like make his head explode. Yes. Uh, or I can use the most powerful gun in the game and not not do a goddamn thing, <laughs> even if he is just sitting there. I also like it's amusing. A minor note that the most powerful civilian game in the, uh, gun in the game is way better than the most powerful military gun in the game. I mean, as far as civilian available, and then they're like, ah, and now military restricted weapons. I'm like, no, I'll just take a 
fucking ten the, millimeter the good rifle. rifle. Thanks. Yeah, the, the the military equivalent of it has worse range and does less damage. But you know, thanks for considering it. Thanks. Uh, we will we will consider your application. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I I don't know. It's weird. The damage calculations for things are weird. I I mean, I do also want to say the fact that stun isn't anywhere in the book is. <laughs> I don't know if it's the worst thing. It's one of the more annoying things. I mean, you could definitely say incompleteness as yeah. a result, as a least favorite thing. The fact that this book feels like it's about half missing, yeah, is 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 a fair thing to put in. Sure, let's uh, say that. Okay, that's fine. What about you? I, I mean, I think one of my my least favorite thing about this is the fact that none of the stats seem to connect to each other in any kind of meaningful way. Like once you're done determining your basic stat like sub values, you might as well throw all your stats away. They don't do anything anymore. You have your ASTs for everything else. Your stats don't matter. They don't inform anything else. Your intelligence doesn't inform your skills. Even if you're not psychic and it's like, oh, not psychics get a bonus. It is a slight chance that you graduated high school. Yeah. That's all they get different. It's not more skill points. It's just you pick from maybe a different list. That's all it is. So the fact that the stats don't interrelate in any way and there's like a whole thing. It's like, hey, it's up to you if you play a psychic or not psychic. They're pretty much the same. No, they aren't. No. You get cool rad powers or nothing. Yeah, so uh, the fact that this game is one of those older games where it's got a million stats, but there's no reason for it to have them because they don't do anything. I mean, especially looking at past once you've got them, there's nothing that uses a strength or an int AST, and yeah. it's just kind of like, oh, well, meh. Yeah, so so there you have it. That's uh, that's my least favorite thing. Would you play Psy World? No, nah, man, there's... There's no game here. Yeah. There's I mean there's there's a game here. There's no game world. There's no hook. I was going to say my initial pick for least favorite until I realized how much I hated the non-stat interrelation is the fact that the game has no story but has a bunch of like vestiges of story that if you were, were like to want to write your own story would only make it harder for you. Like the fact the, the game set in the near future of 1984. Got it? No problem. But then it's like, hey, that's fully optional. You can set this whenever and wherever you want. Oh, also, by the way, you might roll that your uh, level of education is that you're from space. And I'm like, well, what if I set this in medieval times? Well, don't. Don't. <laughs> so so that was the thing I didn't like. The fact that it, it has like one-tenth of a story and then a bunch of things that that one-tenth of a story inflicts on the rules that it shouldn't. Yeah. But that's another least favorite. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I also wouldn't play this. Why would I? If I wanted to play a game about psychic superpowers, I would just adapt a superpower game. Yeah. I mean, I I could play any number of things and just be like, yeah, it's psionics. I don't give a shit. You could take whatever. You could take sentinels and be like, hey, no matter what origin you roll, you're psychic. Got it? Fine. Got it? It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Everyone's a psychic. It's fine. So, yeah. It's also got that weird problem you get with like X-Men comics where... It doesn't make sense that these people are persecuted because outside of the ones that can like murder you, a lot of them are like, oh, I'm just smarter than normal or I can make pretty colored lights. Oh, yeah. And I everyone's mean, the, like, I have to kill that guy. The, the ones that are like, what are you? I'm a psychic and I've got two minor powers. Uh, one is I can help other psychics and make them work together. And the other one is I can shut psychics off. And they're like, murder that guy. That guy's a fucking psyche. We got to get rid of him. And I'm like, this is exactly the same problem you run into when you're like trying to tell a racism story and your main character is fucking Dazzler. And you're like, what's your power? Oh, I'm hot and everyone likes me. I'm like good at singing. I can make some lights. (laughs) Or like, even if you set aside her where she's like a celebrity, like take Bishop. How many people are like professionally hunting Bishop and why? You know, like 
I mean, Nimrod. Shoot, yeah, him. Sure, people from like the 30th century where he's from or whatever. But when he's just wandering around like 1990s Los Angeles, no. Oh, I guess then he's black. <laughs> okay, never mind. I, I retract. You know it. what? He's black and he's got a face tattoo. He's definitely marked for death by LAPD. Uh, but you know, the the point I'm trying to make is. Why are people mad at Bishop? Like, fucking, unless you shoot him with a laser, you are never going to know he's a mutant. Yeah. Well, what if someone shoots him with a laser? What then? (laughs) Will our children be safe? Our laser didn't kill that guy. Kill that guy. (laughs) With lasers. Oh, no. (laughs) My petard. Forge is the other one I always think about in that regard, where they're like, we got to take out the mutants, especially this guy who can invent things. Yeah, he'll make a bomb that kills only humans. (laughs) He'll invent an inconvenient invisible house. (laughs) Ah, sweet. Wonder Woman can live there. (laughs) No, that's a real storyline. He did invent an invisible house uh, because he thought it would help with Storm's claustrophobia. It was when they were dating. Good. (laughs) That's how to do it. (laughs) And instead, it was really annoying because he turned the house invisible and she looked up and there were like three stories of sofas and chairs and shit floating in the sky above her. And I think she's she's like, like, that really freaks me out. I do not care for this. I do not like the <laughs> sensation that that couch might fall on me at any point. I'm trading you out for Black Panther. <laughs> yes. Good trade. <laughs> All right. So, uh, hey, neither of us would play this. But you know what we would do? Make characters for it in our bonus content. If you head over to patreon.com slash system mastery, join us at the low low tier one dollar per episode mm-hmm. you can get access to all of our bonus content we're gonna go make some psi world piss mm-hmm. that's right we're gonna make some piss and we're gonna tell you all about it for that super low cost of a dollar that unlocks hundreds of bonus episodes and additionally for that low low cost of one dollar you may enter the tent and see the inside out boy ha <laughs> he went over the bar swinging on a swing <laughs> Also, you get to see Penny. She's got pennies for eyes. Yeah, and that kid that drank, Mike, that kid that drank, like, Coke and Pop Rocks. Yeah. Uh, or ate Life Cereal or whatever it was. I think that's the same, is that the same legend? The, the, urban legend? the legend is that the kid, Mikey, from that commercial was the one who drank Coke and Pop Rocks and his stomach exploded. Okay, that's what it was. Yes, thank you yes. for reminding me of the full full urban legend. Yes. Honestly, now I want to play a superheroes game where you have to play as an urban legend like that. You have to play as the kid who drank Coke and Pop Rocks and your powers, you can like You're vomit. basically Jubilee, but it's just you burp out <laughs> yeah, sparks. Yeah, burp out sparkles and fireworks. <laughs> Dude, a urban legend super kids would be an amazing game. Hell yeah. I would play that in a heartbeat. Hey, I'm just a guy with a hook for a hand. <laughs> I just wanted to warn you about a different murderer in your car. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I have the superpower of following behind people that have someone in their back seat and turning my high beams on. <laughs> and it's up to them whether you're trying to rescue them or if you have to kill them for a gang initiation. Yeah. It's one of those. <laughs> you got to figure it out. Ugh. <laughs> uh. Uh, but don't worry, a sewer alligator will rescue you. Goddamn, yeah. I want to play Urban Legend superheroes so bad right now. <laughs> Urban Legend Super Kids, yeah, it'd be a lot of fun to think about your character. Uh, anyway, yeah, join us at the one dollar level. There are other levels you can join us at. The two dollar level unlocks all the Star Wars stuff. The five dollar level unlocks all all the stuff, everything. The afterthought, the TV mastery, all of it. You get it at the five dollar level; it's a good deal. Consider it. That's Patreon.com/slash/SystemMastery. Support us there. Buy our fine books and T-shirts. Buy all our playsets and toys. Follow us on Twitter, because honestly, people keep telling us we're big enough to like join things and so on, and it doesn't seem true. No one follows us on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, especially not me, at Gurgle Spasm. <laughs> or me, at 
just System Master. I just use that one. Yeah. It has a lot of followers. Why would I use my shitty real one? Exactly. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to develop my own personal Twitter. I'll just use the shows. And then I'm sitting here like, hey, I didn't sign on for this. <laughs> And you got this guy over here like, nah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I didn't get the memo on that one. Uh, with apologies to Andy Daly. Thank you so much, and we'll see you in the bonus content. Everyone, have a good one. Design Doc started as a podcast about designing a role-playing game. Over the years, it's turned into so much more. It's a show about the challenges of burnout, making money from creative projects, and what goes into bringing a game to life. Come along with Hannah and Evan in a living documentation of the game design process. One review described it as the audio equivalent of taking a hike with a good friend. You can search for Design Doc on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.